Backfence PDX Radio is brought to you by On Your Feet, teaching companies to improvise. When everyone behaves like an improviser, work gets better. Online at OIF.com. Hi, friends. This is Backfence PDX Radio. I'm B. Frayne Masters. We've got another fine trio of stories lined up for you. Some of the best since our live show began in 2008. Stories are told live with live people in the audience at our show in Portland, Oregon. Not saying that the show is dead or for dead people because you're living and you're hearing this, so you're all good. (laughs) Anyway, this time we'll hear true unscripted stories about the things God whispers to little boys, how one woman's obsession comes to a nail-biting climax in a pancake house, and how one man learns the truth about the shunning of less attractive animals. The stories you're about to hear were recorded over the past several years, and occasionally the audio may not be perfect, but we couldn't imagine doing the show without them. First up, Adam Arnold, local fashion designer extraordinaire. For those of you who are Myers-Briggs fans, Adam is an INFP. He also enjoys collecting marmalade. Adam told a story live at the show with the theme Family Plots, which featured stories using very definitions of the word plot, you know, like scheming and or burials. And Adam's story is about how his family embraces a peculiar passion for a three-year-old. So my story begins in 1975 when I was three years old. Uh, I uh, grew up in the woods of uh, just north of Kelso, Washington. And, (laughs) whoa, Kelso. And... um, in the woods, and uh, I had a, uh, I have a sister that's a, uh, two years younger than me named Kristen, and my parents, who um, were and still are Methodist Christians, they weren't really hippie, but kind of hippie, like we drew water from a well. We had <laughs> like tomato plants, there were trees, I had friends that were trees, <laughs> things like that. and. <laughs> My grandparents, my Oma and Opa, uh, from German heritage, lived in Vancouver, Washington, in the big, shining city of Vancouver, Washington, because I came from the land of like sticks and moss and twigs and, and Methodist Church, First United Methodist Church. And um, at the beginning of Sunday service, the uh, minister, John Reinmuth, would ask all the beautiful little children to come up to the front of the, come up very quietly, very sit quietly, come to the front, my children, come to the front of the stage. And there was somebody with a zither, an auto harp, like up there, like, and we would sing, we would sing like Jesus Loves Me or Michael Rowe the Boat Ashore, like, it was always like, we didn't know what was gonna, oh, I hope I know this song. But I'm three, so it's just like, Or like, (laughs) that one, just no words, just like whistling. I'm sitting there, and and the sermon for that day for the children was, if you lie very still, sometimes, sometimes it'll happen when you're asleep, but sometimes it'll happen when you're awake and you're just sitting there, like, and you're just... Maybe you have your eyes closed, but you're very still, and you be very quiet. You can hear God talk to you. My mom said it was the very next morning 
I woke up, I came into their room, and I said, God talked to me. God talked to me. Like, I was lying in my bed, and God talked to me, and he told me that you are going to Japan. <laughs> so my parents, they were just like, okay. Like, wow. Because what are they going to say? Like, are you kidding? God doesn't talk like, God doesn't tell you you're going to Japan. Because then it would be like, oh, I'm telling him that there's no such thing as God or there's no, you know, there's like everything that we've taught him. Uh. From that point on, it became an obsession. It started off where, um, and I don't even know where the hell this came from, but I would just like, I demanded to sleep on the floor. I was like three years old and I was just like, I'm not sleeping on a mattress, I'm not getting up. Japanese people don't use pillows. They, use, they have a little neck rest. And, um, and what's all this silverware? Like, I want chopsticks. And my parents are like, what you like? Where do you get chopsticks in Kelso, Washington in 1975? I finally, like through the help of uh, my aunt, who lived in Hawaii at the time, had a lot of um, international influence, which my parents did not. They were, these people were not international people. It was just like the home, the garden, and then church, and that was it. So my aunt in, uh, in Hawaii sent me chopsticks, sent me a tiny little, uh, when she heard, oh, some, this kid's really into Japan, like sent me um, this tin of like powdered matcha green tea and um so i wish i still have this tin because i just like whatever but i would be taken to to vancouver and dropped off with my younger sister my parents would drop us off of vancouver every weekend and i was like oh ma like i'm god told me i'm going to japan i have to go and i don't know how it's going to happen but i'm going because god told me and she said, well, if you're going to go to Japan, you need to learn everything about Japan. And so I couldn't read, so I'm like, read me. Where do we, how do I find out about Japan? We'd go to the library and um, look at books. There was a book called Introducing Japan, but I remember sounding it out and it looked like it said Introducting Japan. And I was like, Introducting Japan. And there were like geisha and like so beautiful, so still and moving, so slow and like so, oh, just everything about it was so, just like heaven, just so like serene and beautiful. And I began to see everything around me had a Japanese flavor. I could position plates on the table in a way that was just, it was very Japanese. And I would say, Oma, isn't this Japanese? Isn't this so Japanese? <laughs> She's like, yes. And anyway, I taught myself to read at the age of four, just turned four, I taught myself to read the encyclopedia because I had to read about Japan. I had to learn everything about it. The Kinkakuji Temple, the, the beautiful... Um, deer and Nara at the Todaiji temple, all of this. And, um, and she said, just continue reading. She was very supportive of that. Meanwhile, at my parents' house, I'm, I have a new album called Donguri Koro Koro from my aunt, and I'm playing it on the 
I'm playing it on a Fisher-Price record player that's plugged to an outlet at the outside, and I'm doing very still, like, Japanese wisteria dance in a, in a blanket, because I didn't have a kimono, so I was like, I'd wrap it over, and it was mysterious, like, donguri koro koro, donguri koro. And I just knew it phonetically, like everything else, like, oike hanamate saitaijin. Like, and I would do this dance, like, for, for visitors from my parents, <laughs> while they'd sit there like, oh, our son is into Japan. Like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, watch, like, and, and I would get my sister involved, and I'd wrap a blanket around her. And um, I'm probably like four or five at this time. I would say four or five. I would get her also, and then I, would, I was so into clown white makeup, I would put it on. And my grandmother helped me make a wig out of black yarn. And people would come over and I was like, we're going to do the ceremonial, we're going to do the tea ceremony. And everyone must be quiet. And it was very, I'd get the matcha and I'd like, mix it up, because there was still some in there. It was like precious gold. In the woods around my house, uh, I called the Japanese garden. And would also get my sister to come with me down along the frontage road with a sign on the side of the freeway that said, Japanese garden, tickets, five cents, come in. You know, and the woods beside the Japanese garden looked kind of Japanese. There was moss. I, I had asked my, it was like a moss garden. I had asked my dad to help me build a gazing pond with a bridge and like a sand and stone garden. And it was like, oh, that's not right. Like it looks, needs to look like the seal pups are following Buddha along the path. Like, and my, my dad's like, Buddha wasn't real. And I was just like, no, Buddha is just like Jesus, which wasn't really good for these people because they were like, no, Buddha was not like Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Buddha's made up. Buddha's like a ghost, some kind of ghost person. Anyway, my grandmother was very supportive during the whole thing. I don't know how many of you know that I make clothes. One of the first things that I made was a kimono out of a sheet, which I wore to school on the first day in kindergarten. <laughs> and it was, it was a white sheet that had been cut into a kimono style and I had painted all of these chrysanthemum all over using, using the uh, watercolor set that my Oma had given me. And she said, Adam, I have a, this big jar. Whenever you do something good, we'll put a quarter in there. And if you do things around the house or whatever, um, put a quarter in there. And if I hear you did something nice at home, I'll put a quarter in there for you. And when the jar is full, we'll go to Japan. And this jar was gigantic. It's like... Like, compared to me, it was probably my size, because I was, like, probably that tall. I was, like, a very, very short, skinny kid. But I was doing everything. I was washing the floor. I was like, can I get extra points for doing the, uh, <laughs> doing the moon viewing dance <laughs> with a, with, with the instruments from the fire, like the fire tong, like the fire tong and the brush. The fire tongue and the brush. And it's like bringing it up, like bringing. And she's like, yeah, yeah. So I'd put on like the kimono and I would like 
fire tongue and the brush and the, and the styrofoam cup. And the styrofoam cup and the chopstick and the fan. It's like, and down, like, oh. And I was really into like the releasing of the layers of the kimono and like you'd have a new kimono on and like, anyway. It was getting way too like obsessive. Like six, I was about six, six years old and I wasn't giving it up. My parents were just like, <laughs> like who is this kid? Like, um, why does, what is it? What is it? What did we do? Like. Uh, so, um, and my opa was like telling my oma, you know, I just, just take him to Japantown in, in Los Angeles. He's not going to know the difference. Just like, <laughs> just take him to Japantown. Like, he's from the Depression era. So he's like, we'll save some money. Take this little brat to the Japantown. Get him some udon noodles and like, go back home. And my oma was like, it's too late. It's too late. We can't... We, he'll know, he'll totally know at this point, and it's just gonna be the most horrible thing ever, because it was so real. Everything about, I was just like, see Japan. Like, it was just Japan, 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 Japan. I even knew that my name was Adamu, because like, <laughs> my parents, my, with my grandparents' um, urgence, urgence, like, come on, you guys, you should take him to a Japanese class. Like, if we go to Japan, he's going to have to know Japanese. Like, da -da -da. So it was like, Adamu, like, um, Tokyo, Osaka, Nara, like, all of that. I learned that Atama is a head from the Kelso Public Library, like, Japanese children book. Um, and then when I was seven, the jar was full. And I was just like, wow, we're totally going. We're totally going. So my grandmother booked a flight and we totally went. <laughs> Man, oh man, Adam had a lot of drive for a three-year-old. When I was three years old, I think I was trying to learn how to tie my shoes or something like that. Adam Arnold, he makes good clothes and loves being Googled. Next, how one woman's obsession with gambling leads to a bet over cinnamon. Yeah, cinnamon. The waitress comes over, Drew hands her $20, politely asks for some cinnamon, says we have a bet to settle. She brings us over some cinnamon. Drew has a tablespoon of cinnamon up to his mouth, and the kid's like, no, I'm telling you, it'll kill you. This is Backbends PDX Radio. 